I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I am Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog, and I'm here with my good friend and colleague, none other than Mr. Sean Latimer. Good morning. Good morning. One of the things that we always like to talk about, because I get advice from you, because your kids are older than my kids, and I remember asking you, are all your kids the same? Definitely not. My uh, my oldest son is uh, a self-starter. He wakes up before his alarm clock. He will get dressed and get ready for school and get his own breakfast. And, and he's the one kind of telling us, like, we got to go. We got to get in the car. We're going to be late. We're going to be late. And then my younger son is kind of the opposite. He will sleep in past his alarm clock. And we have to kind of tell him, hey, you got to change. And he's like, all right. And then he'll lay back down on the couch and it's a, everything's kind of a drag, but it is funny to see how they kind of react differently to things, uh, uh, whether it's schedule or uh, plans changed or w- whatever it is. So, yes, very different. I'm getting this image because I know your kids. Uh, your younger boy is five or six. Yeah, he'll t- turn six in November. Okay, so he's five years old. So I'm just getting this image in my head, knowing what he looks like, just rolling over, like hitting the alarm clock like an old man and just going back to sleep. Pretty much. So funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I've noticed that because my kids are younger. My oldest is four, and their little personalities come out. And uh, I, I joke in the article that I love all the little quirks of their personalities, or I love most of them. Uh, but one of my boys, the oldest, he is a man of routine. So I think he's kind of similar to your oldest. Uh, so the same question every night before he goes to bed, he says, Daddy, what day is it tomorrow? Because if it's Saturday... He knows that we go and he gets cinnamon roll French toast at our favorite breakfast spot. If it's uh, if it's Tuesday, he knows it's library day because in the summer, my wife takes the boys to the library and the librarian does like a few activities with a bunch of kids and then they take home books for a week and then they swap them out the next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, they know that weekends, you know, I, I'm home because we'll typically do something fun, but I, you're question reminded me that earlier this summer we have baseball camp and uh i had to kind of almost punish my older son to leave his younger brother alone that you know let mom and dad get him dressed and make sure he's ready to go it's not your job to scream at him and torment him all morning to get him dressed and so then uh one of the last days of camp you know i'm coming downstairs and we're all kind of like frantically leaving and I'm like, he's well dressed, ready to go. And and uh, Mason, like with a smug look on his face, is like, nope. And he walks out to the garage, puts cleats on. I look, and Will's like sitting there in his underwear, like didn't eat breakfast, feet up. And, and I just laugh because I'm like, ah, it would be helpful sometimes if he could do it in a more helpful way. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's good that they know what day uh, they're going to be doing something. But that presents its own challenges, too, because then... If plans change, I'm sure. D- does he like that if he's not going my, to the library for some reason? Or? Yeah, my oldest does not. So, like, if plans change, it, like, his world unravels. Uh, being a man of routine, he gets very, very angry if that is disrupted. And uh, I have to be careful as a dad because sometimes I find myself, like, I've actually said it a bunch of times, but like, can't you be more like your little brother? Like, his little brother's, like, more pliable, like, flexible, kind of go with the flow. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. They have their own personalities, and they're unique, and they're individuals. Um, it, it's also funny because sometimes the bedtime routine can be a quite a long, drawn-out period at my household. 
So I will be staring at these like five library books that they brought home. I kind of flip through and you're smiling because you know what I'm doing. Like, what's the shortest book yeah. uh, that I can read? Yeah, not this one. Not this one. <laughs> but uh, last week or the week before, I came across this book and I look at the title and it's called Clever Hans, The True Story of the Counting, Adding, and Time-Telling Horse. So I am always a sucker for true stories. So if there's something on uh, Netflix or uh, you know Amazon Prime or something, and it's a like a, a true story, true basketball story or something like that, like I'm a sucker. I always read it. So it was a long book, but I grabbed it. I'm like, I need to see what this is about. Well, yeah, because if it says true story, you're like, well, the story must be good if it's on here. If they made a book about it, and it must be somewhat unbelievable. So yeah, I I, I could understand that. So the story takes us back to the early 1900s, and supposedly there's this horse that you can ask him all kinds of questions. You can say, hey, here's a clock. What time is it? You can ask him, hey, uh, what is 24 divided by 6? Obviously, he doesn't speak, right? He's not Mr. Ed, the horse. So 24 divided by 6, Clever Hans will tap his hoof four times. So it became so amazing that he was drawing all these crowds. Um, and I don't remember off the top of my head his, uh, his trainer's name. I think his last name was Von Austin or, or something of that nature. Um, but he was traveling around and kind of showing off this horse. He drew so much attention that scientists and psychologists like wanted to come because they're like, there's no way that there's this horse with this human brain. But sure enough, everybody would show up and... They would ask him all sorts of questions, like I said, difficult questions, um, like, hey, if today's Monday, how many days away is Saturday? And he would tap his hoof and give the right answer. Nobody could solve the riddle. I'm, I'm smirking because there's always people out there that ruin the fun. They're like, no, this can't be true. It's kind of like a magic trick. Like, no, nah, all right, I'm going to go to the show just so I can catch it, how they do it, and, and uh, put them on blast. But uh, I, I think it's funny that they – so they never come out and say – I, I know you talk about in the article, like the not to take the wind out of the sails, but you talk about in the article like the theory of how it worked. But do they never come out and, and admit it? Or so the let me make sure I'm answering the right question you're asking. Well, I don't the, want to ruin the story. Either. No, it's fine. Oh, I'm okay. tell. Yeah, the trainer thought he, the the trainer really thought the horse was just intelligent, right? He he had trained the horse, and um, he thought like this was just a, a high IQ horse. Right. And that was the conclusion that most people came to. But then there was this gentleman named, and I'll butcher his name, I think it's Oscar Funkst. Right. Um, but he came along, he's a psychologist, and he said, Hey, I have a hypothesis. Let us put a, let's put a blindfold on Clever Hans and let's ask him the same exact questions. The blindfold was his kryptonite. Because he couldn't see the visual cues or the body language of the trainer. Yeah, so what ended up happening, whether it was the trainer or the crowd, they would ask him a question, like I said, like, hey, what is two plus two? Because they they ended the question, they had this, like, anticipatory look, like, okay, now it's your turn, right? Like, it was almost like a nonverbal cue of, like, tossing him the ball. Does that make yeah. sense what I mean by that? So then he would just start tapping. And then when he tapped kind of slow, so it'd be like one, two, three four and when he did four everybody's like oh my like he could see or sense them right he wasn't smart but he was a witty horse like he picked up on them so he just stopped so it was the the crowd and uh his trainer that were like preparing to clap or like their their facial expressions changed um so the blindfold kind of took that away and oscar funks was saying hey this horse doesn't know the answer to the questions 
He just knows once when to start tapping, and you guys, because you're so excited about him being smart, he knows when to stop tapping. Does that make sense? It was hard to put in the article. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. Funks doesn't look fun, so he wanted to go and ruin it for everyone. But uh, no, it, it would make sense because I'm sure there's – like what if the trainer wasn't there one day and they're like, yeah, it was weird. I asked him a bunch of questions. He didn't do anything, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it made The book made it sound like even the crowd was giving those cues because like they <laughs> – I don't think anybody was intentionally doing this, but they wanted this to be true. Yeah, so, I, I'm picturing, like, the trainer. They they ask a question. He probably puts his arm up or something like that. Yeah. And everyone's quiet. And then they start, like, buzzing as he gets closer. I, I don't and know. And then that fourth, like, tap or whatever the number is, there's, like, yes. And they go, they go crazy. But it was funny because I was reading the story. I didn't know the conclusion, right? I didn't go to the last page. And I was like, how have I never heard of this horse with a human mind a uh, hundred years ago. And uh, I was fooled even kind of reading it. That w- the whole reason I brought up the, the story, though, was I think the saddest part of the, the little short children's book is that it kind of ends a little bit abruptly. And they're basically just saying uh, Von Austin refused to believe uh, what Oscar Funks had presented and just kind of went on believing that he had a genius horse. And I was like, huh, that's quite sad. Yeah, if I'm relating it to kind of what we do and what you talk about in the article, uh, that final chapter of something sad happening would have uh, would have kind of led into what you're going to talk about today a little bit more. But you're right. If he ends up like doubling down, investing all of his money, that he has a genius horse and they go on the road and then they go to some like talent show where he can't be there. And the horse just stands there and does nothing. He'd be like heartbroken. And it's like, wow, he was wrong. And and it impacted him negatively financially, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like you're saying that uh, something wasn't true, uh, but he was uh, stubborn or in disbelief or whatever, and you're saying that he bet the farm on it, uh, and we see people do that all the time. And I couldn't not include this quote, which I know people have heard a ton of times, but it seems so relevant for this topic, and it's that old Mark Twain quote, uh, or you know, somebody will call me and say, you know, fact check, it wasn't Mark Twain. Nonetheless, this quote is accredited to Mark Twain quite often. And it says, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Um, And it is so true is that um, when we don't know something, right? A a lot of the time, uh, for most of us, we'll have a posture of humility and curiosity and we'll ask questions and, and we'll want to understand something. The bad part is when we're so sure about something uh, that we think we're right, even if it's not the truth. Yeah, and I, I've heard you say at times where you, you almost say, well, it sounds like you, you're already convinced, uh, but I don't, I don't think that would be the best route. And it's a very like uh, touchy subject because it sounds like they made up their mind and they want to do it a certain way. And you, you, you're probably thinking like, no, that's wrong. Don't do that. But you can't say that. So you, you have to kind of like gently suggest that there might be a better way and then hopefully they are receptive but i've been in lots of conversations where they're it's a non-starter they, they say no this is the way i'm going to do it or this is what i think is going to happen and it puts you in an uncomfortable position because maybe you you could try and overcome it or convince them otherwise but i i don't think that's a great uh way to start a relationship or or even someone you've worked with over a course of time you know because you're pretty much saying i think you're wrong yeah and i wrote down it's always hard to say this is the hardest part about our career, but I will say this is one of the hardest parts 
is that you are going to be wrestling with people's preconceived beliefs about money, investing, and financial planning. And like you said, it's very delicate. And I titled this section of the um, article, When Faced with the Truth, right? How do people react? In Von Austin's case, he reacted by denying the truth. And I will say, whether it's Sean or myself or, or anybody, at some time in their life, they've done that, right? Uh, they've become so married to some particular belief that they've been willing to deny the truth um, to their own detriment. Yeah, and I think as, uh, as you learn more about a subject and you realize that there's more out there that you don't know, it kind of makes you open-minded that even when people ask me my opinion, I, I find myself framing it as, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this happens. Or um, I think that this could happen. Because I, I, I know in the bottom of my heart that I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm not going to argue it. And, uh, and I've just seen too many times in our industry where people who think they're, uh, they know something for certain and they're wrong, it, it can have a pretty big impact. Yeah, it's like playing the time machine game, right? Let's take the time machine back one year ago. Did anybody think interest rates were going to be where they are today? Ah, nobody. I can help you out. Just go read the headlines, right? Something that's been very funny to me lately is this year, as far as the stock market, it's surprising a lot of people, right? So then you have all these big names of these uh, chief investment officers at the largest institutions uh, mid-year putting revisions on what their end-of-year estimate was for the S&P 500. It's stupid that they do that, right? It's stupid that they would pick one single number by the decimal on where the market's going to end. But, you know, for some reason, it's it's a cultural norm. So they're all doing revisions, right? Because if you started out the year thinking that it was going to be this, that number's already passed. So if you're still saying, hey, we're going to end the year at X, then you would be implying that we're going to go down 10 or 15%. So again, they do these mid-year revisions and adjustments uh, of this kind of foolish game. I heard a pretty good slash bad comparison of this. And it talked about like talking heads in the media or even, you know, uh, economic advisors that get to forecast. And uh, it, it compared to them, like if they were bus drivers of children and they were wrong and they crashed the bus, they're probably not allowed to drive the bus anymore, right? But we see talking heads all the time make calls and then they're wrong and they get to revise them or they get an, a clean slate on the next year. And it, it, it kind of makes me laugh that the new person watching the show or the new person reading it doesn't know that they've been wrong the last four years in a row. And so it, it, it just, it's funny to watch. Yeah. Like no published track record. And you know, there are these cultural norms, you know, we can't have any podcast that doesn't find its way trickling into sports. So I'll do it right now. Yep. Um, if you are a sports commentator and you are uh, a football analyst, right? And you look at the playoffs and you say, hey, I think this team is most likely to win the Super Bowl this year. Well, if they win, or they, sorry, if they lose in the first week of playoffs, you still have X amount of weeks of playoffs left, so you got to choose a new team, right? right? And they're going to do that all the way until the final game. Uh, and they could be wrong every single time, but they have to choose between the candidates that are still in the race. Uh, and the problem there is it would be uh, embarrassing and even worse if a team was knocked out week one and you continue to say, I still think that team's going to win. Well, I mean, turn off the TV. No one's going to listen to you. Yeah. But that is close to kind of what we saw in our story today. And it is close to home for you and I 
where you know maybe we've tried to battle a, a particular truth with somebody, right? For some people, it's COVID, right? Everybody's going to work from home uh, from here to the end of the world forever. Yeah, it wasn't true, right? Um, you know, coming out of the COVID moment, interest rates will be, uh, you know, all that language lower for longer, zero bound forever. Uh, that wasn't true. So, what I'm saying, what Sean's saying here is that we would advise you to hold some of these things loosely. Um, because they typically are the first chapter of a really, really ugly story, like the one we talked about today, when you are not willing to let go of something that is not true. You know, one thing that we haven't brought up, and this is probably the biggest point, is uh, a lot of times when people have these opinions, it didn't necessarily start as their opinion. They were convinced of it by someone else. And so when you do try to pull on that thread and learn more, they're not equipped. They don't have the ammo to kind of bring up all the points of the reasoning and and that's the hardest person to talk to about it because they not that they're blindly following someone else's opinion but that there's no real debate it, it's more they believe this now and you're trying to trying to convince someone uh something different when they truly believe it's true it's really hard to do if you're not having a logical kind of debate yeah i think you're exactly right and in the advice I gave in the article, when, when we're trying to think of like practical application, um, here's the image. Grab the bucket of all of your beliefs and just go ahead and pour them on the table. Uh, find somebody, like we talked about last week, that you trust, right? Somebody that's competent, somebody that should be at the table with you and start to dissect each of those beliefs. Go easy on yourself, right? Don't try to hit them all in one day, but present something, uh, Sean, I think I believe this to be true. Explain to me what I'm missing or, or how I could be wrong. Easy example. I had the question today. Somebody said, hey, 12 months from now, where do you see interest rates? And I said, good question. I'm going to walk you through my belief and how I landed at that belief, but I'm also going to put uh, a few disclaimers. I think predicting 12 months is quite hard. Um, I think I would have a little bit more confidence predicting 24 months or 36 months from a directional stance. We've talked about some thoughts on money, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can get a good concept of direction. It's really hard to get timing. But even with that said, something in the future that I don't know about could disrupt my hypothesis and how I got there. Yeah, if someone in that same scenario said, I think rates are going to stay flat and we have some sort of catastrophic event or unemployment spikes and inflation goes down and then all of a sudden rates come crashing back down wow that happened sooner than i expected um, or the opposite maybe rates stay flat and then something happened or everything kind of ho-hums along but inflation stays hot well it, interest rates might stay the same or go up a little bit it, that that part in a 12-month period is, is unknown that's why we in finance we like to look for relationships and when we see relationships uh between numbers right these two numbers walk in lockstep um, and we try to see, uh, is there historical breadth there? Like that, that has been true for a long time. And is there any other variable that would break that apart? I'll give you a really easy example. Um, we can see a really high correlation between uh, the starting valuation of an investment and your future returns. Meaning, if you pay, on average, higher than historically, for a dollar of earnings, you are most likely, over a 10-year period, 
going to get a lower than average future return. So all we're saying there is that there is a relationship between valuation and future returns. What we're not saying there is that if I told you, Sean, hey, ABC company has a historically stretched valuation, therefore returns should be diluted, and then ABC takes off through the roof, and you're like, Trevor, you are wrong. My response was like, no, like the conversation was about direction and about probability. It wasn't about timing. So none of the rules that we lay out are going to be 100%. There's a lot of people that talk about um, when the yield curve inverts, it is a leading indicator of a recession. But there have been times that that hasn't been true. So you'll be very difficult to find something that is 100%. Because if it was, and if everybody believed in it and followed it, it would disrupt it so it wasn't 100% anymore. Yeah, just keep that in mind. Anything you think is for certain, just like, oh, everyone knew interest rates were going to go up or everyone knew this was going to happen. If that was true, everyone would act on it. And then there'd be no no secret anymore. It, it, the opportunity would be gone. Yeah. I mean, you say that and uh, I'm being vulnerable and honest right now. One of my most frustrating conversations I've had in the last couple of years was somebody telling me exactly that. Somebody was saying, you gave a recommendation of X investment when you knew interest rates were going to go up. And I was like, no, I, I didn't know that. And the response was like, are you kidding me? Everybody knew that. And I was like, man, if everybody knew that, there was some great money to be made yeah. when interest rates just went through the roof, right? You could have shorted bonds and you, you could have you done a lot of things that would be extremely profitable. So uh, it was difficult for me to be faced with a conversation where somebody said, um, you did this and markets reacted this way. And the way markets reacted was obvious to everybody. And those are type of conversations where I just have to hit the eject button because I don't even know how to respond. Yeah, and I, I think that that's where you talked about last week. But you know, having someone you trust and having a relationship is important because if we can talk about the recommendation and how we arrived there, that relationship should uh, it should be like a mutual understanding that hey, this isn't set in stone. This doesn't mean it's going to happen this way. This is our belief and our thought. Yeah, and and we will wrap up that conversation, and, and I'll kind of give you some final words too. But um, with this statement that markets are difficult. Add in our emotions, just an amplifier, right? And I don't want to keep referencing, you know, my child's children's book story today, but I will. Like Von Austin, um, it was his emotions that got him stuck on saying, like, man, and I can imagine, right? Like he he felt like he owned and trained a world famous horse. He probably had a relationship with that horse. He it was it was his friend, right? So for someone to say like. Um, everything that you've set up and believed in probably his business, right? It's probably profitable to him that it's all kind of a hoax. Like what you thought was true is actually not true. Like his entire world was deconstructed and destroyed. I do understand for some season for him to have some level of resistance, right? Like there's stages of, of this stuff and denial is one of those stages. But at some point you have to pop your head up um, and you have to look at your own journey, your own story, and start to see, hey, are all the things that I believe about money and investing and planning true? Um, and would it be worthwhile to have a Sean Latimer 
shoulder to shoulder with me to dissect something that I'm really confident about, but that he might be able to poke some holes in and challenge me a bit. I see what you did there. What did I do? With the hay. I did not mean to we're do talking the about hay. the horse? No? Yeah, no, no. All right. <laughs> uh, unintentional pun, but I'll take it. You were smiling, so I didn't know why. Yeah, I, I think that your closing thoughts were on track. And uh, I, I hope that if you're listening, this doesn't mean that you, you blindly follow someone else's advice. It just means uh, come into any conversation open-minded and be ready for feedback. Yeah, because like you and I will, will say that till, uh, uh, till the fat lady sings, uh, that... Uh, the things that we believe. The cows are, come home. Come on, man. You had it. <laughs> I had it. It was there. Oh, dang. Till the horses come home. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we will keep reminding people that uh, that quote of Mark Twain, um, it's the things that you believe that are true that just aren't that will get you in the most trouble. So um, it was hard in this article to point out what that particular truth is for you, but uh, hopefully this will give you opportunity for introspection uh, and to think about it and to ask some questions. And uh, like I said, uh, I kind of ended the article with that that old proverb, um, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There is value in having um, a partner in crime uh, to kind of go side by side with you and to be able to think through some of these things. That is true for life and that is absolutely true for finance. So with that said, we'll ask that you rate the podcast. Five stars are preferred. You can leave comments on the podcast. If you have questions or comments uh, or ideas for things that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast, it is very easy to get a hold of us. It's Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. and address that to Sean or Trevor. We would love to hear from you. Uh, and most importantly, we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.